Man, wasn't that a good Sunday last week? And I know that God came and he touched many people's lives. It was really good for me. Um, one of our core values here is authenticity. And last weekend was not a good weekend for me. I was just really missing home. Um, my old home, I'll say. It's my new home and my new family. But um, it was really hard and uh, just kind of spiraled me down a little bit into the uh, beginning of this week. And I was really encouraged by the message last week and uh, really helped to build me up to be able to get through this week. But another great thing that happened in my week is that uh, my best friends from Iowa came and are out here hanging out with us. And um, so it's been really good. It's been a good weekend. We went to the beach yesterday um, and and I had a really good time. It was their uh, boys' first time being at the ocean. So they were really excited. Um, their, their oldest got water in his mouth and came up just like, blah, blah, blah. Like, what is this? What's wrong with this water? And uh, it was great. And I just laid back. I relaxed in the sun. I napped for a little bit. Um, I heard that being tan helps you look, like, a little bit more toned and fit. And um, it's why, like, you know, when you see, like, the, the bodybuilding competitions, they're all, like, tanned up because it helps them look better. Um, you know, and so free tip for the day. You know, instead of, like, working harder or having a good diet, you can just settle for optical illusions and um, be tan. But I got a little bit too much sun. Instead of having like a six pack, it just looks like I'm smuggling Bob the tomato under there. But um, enough about my weekend. Uh, there was a, a church gathered at the beach and they were doing baptism. Um, so this is not from yesterday, okay? Just wanted to clarify. Uh, but they're doing a baptism service, and this, this drunk man on the beach come wandering by through the crowd to see what the heck was going on. The, the pastor who was out in the water was like, hey, are you ready to find Jesus? And the guy's like, sure, I guess. And he said, oh, come on out here. So he brings him out, and the pastor holds him and, and dunks him under the water and pulls him up. And like, hey, did you find Jesus? He's like, oh, I don't think so. And he's like, okay, well, let's do this another time. And dunks him again. Pulls him back up out of the water and says, did you find Jesus? No, I, I haven't found him. So the pastor put him back under, held him under a little bit longer this time. You know, give him some time to find Jesus. Pulled him up. And the man gasping for air. <coughs> did you find Jesus? He's like, are you sure this is where Jesus fell in? <laughs> All right. so. I love that story. Anyways, uh, so we're continuing in our series, The Headlines of Jesus. And uh, we're going through the first four books of the New Testament, what's called the Gospels. And uh, we're looking at the life of Jesus. And we're, we're calling this the headlines of Jesus because we're looking at these big, impactful moments of Jesus' life. Because we are called to be Christ-like. It's what Christian means. And so these headlines that Jesus had of his life, I want them to be headlines of my life. And I hope that you would want the same. Now, the headline for this week is that Jesus was baptized. And he found himself, I guess. Um, but... We are moving on from the verse that we've been in, in Luke 2.52. And so now if you want to turn with me to Luke 3.21-22 is where we're starting today. It says, One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. This story is actually covered in, in some of the other Gospels as well. If you guys don't know, the, the Bible is divided into two parts. You have the Old and the New Testament. And the New Testament starts with these first four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are called the Gospels because they are four different eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. And so as we're going through this series, we'll kind of hop through the different Gospels because 
You know, like we just read Luke's version of what he remembers and had heard about Jesus' baptism. And, and we're going to look over at Matthew chapter 3 to see what Matthew, um, his view of the baptism. And it says, and then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And this is kind of probably quite the spectacle to see. Right? Matthew and Luke and all these people were probably not there at the moment of Jesus' baptism. There was other people who would go out to see John and um, be baptized by him or hear his preaching or see what's going on. So all these people would have seen what had happened. And these stories, as we see, we'll read another one. Um, they all have these similar things because it was such a spectacle to see that word spread quickly. Right? I mean, if... You know, we're doing baptism next week, and if we baptize someone and the voice of God rattles through this place, don't you think you'd probably tell a few people, like, you, you won't believe what happened, right? And then a dove came down from heaven onto All right, um, but, I mean, it was quite the, this awesome thing. But what I find interesting when I read this is that, why did Jesus have to be baptized? Right? And he even went to John, and John's like, no, I, I may be John the Baptist, like the baptizer, but that's, I, I'm not worthy enough to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. But Jesus said, I must carry out all that God requires. So what's required? When we look in Mark, one of the other Gospels, Mark chapter 1, verse 4, it says, this messenger was John the Baptist. And he was in the wilderness, and he preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. But Jesus had no sins, right? We know him to be this sinless man. He was the only perfect and sinless person, human being that ever walked on the earth, yet still was baptized to repent of his sins. But it was this public showing to the rest of the, the people there. They didn't know Jesus' life. They didn't know who he was yet. And he needed to go through the necessary steps that he needed to go through to show the world that he was baptized, that he was choosing to turn to God, even though he never turned away from him. Right? And I think there's things in our lives, especially when it comes to walking with Christ, that we're like, you know, I, I don't necessarily need to do that. I already have this personal relationship with Jesus. I already know who he is. But I don't need to do the things. But there's a reason for the things. Right? That, that God has asked us to do certain things, and, and they may seem silly to you. They may seem like, you know, it doesn't really, it's not really needed. But look at Jesus, choosing to be baptized, choosing to say, hey, you might now look at me and assume I've done something wrong, but he had it. He didn't need to turn to God. God was his father. God was his best friend. Right? There was no more of a personal relationship than you could ever have than Jesus has with God. Yet still walked out what was required of him because his obedience to God Right? We, we've been talking about this in, in our uh, growing in, in wisdom and growing with favor of God and with man that, that so much so of that is just obedience to God because that's his love language. That's how he sees that we love him in return is that we obey what is asked. And Jesus had to obey his father, not because he you know, was going to be punished or something, but because he wanted to show that he loved his father. 
And when he obeyed, God revealed his favor upon Jesus in front of everybody. This is my son, whom I dearly love. Now, God showing up at a baptism really shouldn't be a surprise. Because this was a promise of God all the way from back in the Old Testament. So if you want to turn with me to Exodus 25. In verse 17, it says, Then make an ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of this atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover and make it all one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover with their wings spread above it and they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant which I will give to you. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark and I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. And from there I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. Now these were the instructions. It's in the middle of them getting the instructions from God to build the tabernacle, which was the very first temple that existed in the Old Testament. Right? And in this temple was this thing that they called the Ark of the Covenant, which is what was described here as very, very fancy. It's, it's covered in gold, had these big angels that, that were all gold covered on top of it, all molded together. And it was this fancy box that uh, Indiana Jones tried to recover. And, uh, but um, it, it, it's the same Ark of the Covenant, if you've seen that. It's, it's this rough idea of that, because inside this very, very fancy box were different artifacts from Israel's walk with God. It had a jar of manna from when they were in the desert. It had the budded staff of Aaron. It had the Ten Commandments in it. It had all of these um, artifacts and documents of the history of what God had done. And uh, this, this box they, they carried around, and uh, we often, you, you'll see it referred to often in the Old Testament because it was the place that God dwelled. Right? His, his promise here was that from this atonement cover, from this place, I will meet with you, and I will talk with you. All right, so they have this box, and the, the lid on top with the angels on it is this atonement cover. And almost every time that this atonement cover, or in, um, some versions require, um, call it the mercy seat, but almost every time that is talked about in the Old Testament, it's followed with this promise from God that says, and I will meet you there. Right? And so when everything was built, this tabernacle was completed. We're, we're in number seven, eight through nine. It says, whenever Moses went into the tabernacle to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim on the ark's cover, the place of atonement that rests on the ark of the covenant. And the Lord spoke to him from there. Right? So what does this have to do with baptism? Right? Well, in the Old Testament, the only way for them to be forgiven of their sins was through these animal sacrifices. And when they would sacrifice the animals, they had all this special stuff they were supposed to do. Um, And one of the things is that the high priest would take the blood from the animal and take it into the inner um, courts where the Ark of the Covenant was and sprinkle the blood onto that Ark. And then God would meet with them there. This was basically the old version of a public display of repentance in the same way that baptism is to us today, right? The place of obedience to repent, to say, I have sinned and I need you, God, is where God promises to meet us, right? Atonement means making up for an offense or an injury or satisfying what was owed. Now, repentance is the act of turning from one's sin, from from something you know was wrong, 
right? To feel regret, regret and then to change your mind. Now, at the time when Jesus was baptized, the Ark of the Covenant was gone. Right? It didn't exist. It had been gone for years. Um, they were taken into Babylon captivity years before as a nation. And ever since then, they've, they've never been able to find the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Jewish people, the believers at that time, they had nowhere to go to find this promise where, they, where God promised to meet with them. Now, all of a sudden, here's Jesus being baptized, and God speaks. Man, I, I just believe that Jesus knew that this was how it was all going to work out. And knowing that he had no sin, but, but I want to meet with God. I want God to speak to me, and so I'm going to go be baptized in obedience and say, I'm turning to God. Jesus went on to live the perfect life, right? Then died a sinner's death and was raised to life three days later, defeating sin, and he became our atonement. He became our atonement cover. He paid what was owed of us, and he covered our sin. Right? 1 John 2, 2 says, He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. Right? Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He, he took what, what was owed of us, our death, and his death, and gave us new life. Because the, that promise didn't end there when, when the ark disappeared. Right? That, the promise is that at the place of our sin covering, at the place of now Jesus, and our obedience to turn to him, he will meet us here. Right? We aren't perfect. We are sinners in need of a savior. Just as John the Baptist said in Mark that, that we need to come and repent of our sin and turn to God. And I think this is one of my favorite promises. Now, there's something great about the promises of God. We sang about it today in the song, Yes and Amen. All your promises are yes and amen. Amen. You are faithful in your promises. The best thing about God's promises is they're not reliant on us. Right? One of my favorite verses, anyways, 1 Thessalonians, uh, says, says that when we are faithless, in other words, when we have no faith, God is faithful. Right? Because God cannot disown himself, is what it says. So when God has a promise that he puts out there, it will always come true. Right? Because we can't change that. It's not dependent on us. It's not dependent on anything I've done or will ever do or anything I say or think. It is fully dependent on who God is. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his promises, therefore, are eternal. And so this promise is one of my favorite because it says when I mess up, at what I feel like is my weakest moments, God put out a promise to meet me there. Yeah. It shows that, that he cared so much that he's provided a way every time I mess up. And he obviously realized humankind was going to mess up a lot. And, and often we want to meet with God, but we're too prideful to admit we messed up. And so we miss out on that promise because we don't go to that place of repentance. We don't go there because we, ah, uh, you know, it wasn't that bad. It was only one time. You know, I, I'll get to it later. But man, you want to meet with God? 
admit where your weakness is and let him show himself strong to you by going and meeting where he has promised to meet you. Now, I do want to clarify that doesn't mean go and sin more so you can meet with God more often, okay? Uh, Jesus never sinned. He did fine, okay? So we can uh, let that be our example. But because we are sinners, he's provided a way. And in that way is a promise that he wants to meet us there. Now, there's two real steps of repentance. Is first, you have to admit you were wrong, right? You have to confess your sins. You have to say, this is where I went wrong, God. This, this is it. And sometimes you need to confess it to another person and not just aloud. Um, the scripture says, I didn't put it down here and I'm blanking on where it's found, but it says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Right? Sometimes we're, we're just not, again, meeting with God to where we could have that encounter that would heal us because we are not confessing our sins. And then the second part of repentance, because it's not just in confessing, it's then saying, all right, I'm going to try and change. A little like the, you know, back to the original language of the word repent, literally means to, to realize you're headed the wrong way and change direction. Like 180 to go, oh, I'm headed there, I need to head this way. And so without the change, without the desire to do something different and trying to, you have not fully repented. When you turn, you leave all that behind. Right? You try your best. and Now we often go and we repent of our sin and say, I'm wrong, I've done wrong, forgive me. Um, I'm not going to do that again. But then we don't actually do anything to get away from it. Right? But, but we have to turn to God. We need to find where the issue is and, and turn to God. Because not only was baptism part of those days when Jesus walked on the earth, um, but it was put in place in the very early church after Jesus' death and resurrection. In Acts chapter 2, which was really the start of the church that we exist in today, Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit to give this message where he spoke out from like probably a window of this upper room where they had just received the Holy Spirit. And what's crazy about this message is he was speaking in one language, yet people of all languages that were out there heard it in their language. And this was the message that he gave. Verse 36, it says, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away. When, when that far away, it's not like a distance. It was a time frame. This is the promise for us today, being repeated from the Old Testament to the New Testament, that when we're baptized, the Holy Spirit will meet us. Right? And that promise was to them, to their children, and to us. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time. So I'm just going to say, I probably don't preach for a long time, okay? Uh, but he preached a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Right? That same promise was restated right there for under the new covenant of Jesus, that that is still a promise of God. 
Paul described what happens during baptism in his letter to the church in Rome. And so if we look at Romans chapter 6, 1 through 4, it says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God could show us more and more of his wonderful grace? No, of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that we, we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, and we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Right? The baptism that John was doing when he baptized Jesus was different in that Jesus hadn't died yet. Right? It was just an outward expression of him saying, you know, I want to be someone who follows God. Right? But now, baptism after Jesus' death and resurrection shows that, that we are dying to our old life. We are fully repenting. We're fully saying, I don't want that in my life anymore. And when we are raised back out of the water, we're accepting the new life that God has for us and saying, I'm going to live in this new way towards God. Now, going in the water and coming out of the water is just a sign. It is not changing your life in those moments. Now, I believe that in our obedience to God, and his promise to meet us where we have this outward expression of our repentance and our choice to follow God, that he'll meet us there. But the water itself does nothing more than this outward expression of what God has already done inside of you when you first came to believe in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, but the new life has begun. Baptism is that outward expression of you becoming a new creation so that we can celebrate with you, but also so that we as a family could hold each other accountable to that, saying, stop going back to your old ways. Live in the new ways. I think baptism helps you take what is the spiritual thing that sometimes is hard to understand and grasp and makes it tangible. To me, it's in that similar vein as like, when you have a goal, you know, and you keep it inside, it's like, you know, if you fail that goal, you're the only one who knows. So it doesn't seem to carry the weight behind it. But as soon as you tell someone else your goal, or you write down your goal where someone else can see it, now you're like, I, I got to actually do that thing. Right? And when we're baptized in front of each other, it's kind of like, you actually got to live it now. But it's worth it, guys. Repentance and baptism is supposed to help you be reminded that you have been made new so that you can stop choosing your old life. Uh, We're going to watch a little video to help us understand repentance, so put your eyes on the screen. What is happening? Are you Kevin Adams? Yeah, who are you? Kevin, we don't have a lot of time. I've been sent here for you. Your doors are about to close again. I need to get you out of here. You want to get out of here? Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, come with me. Let's go. Okay. All right, so, Kevin, what we're going to do is we're just going to head down here. I hope you're going to be able to climb because we're just going to... Kevin. 
What are you doing? If there's anything I've learned in prison, it's that orange is definitely my color. Oh, no, 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 no. You want to leave everything behind. If you bring that with you, the dogs will be able to find you. You'll be right back oh, here. Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. right. All right, so. All right, team. I have the package. We're heading to the extraction zone right now. Kevin, what I need you to do is... This bed is perfect for me, okay? You think that we're gonna be able to get that through there? It contours to my every shape, okay? I can't sleep without it. Kevin, let's go. All right, let's go back. Right, yeah, right, right. Right. Okay, okay, yeah. All right, so. Oh, wait, hot dog Wednesday. What? Today's Tuesday, tomorrow's Wednesday. They, they serve hot dogs on Wednesday. Are you serious? Are you? Yeah, I, I can't miss that. Kevin, you can buy whatever food you want whenever we're out there. We just, we just need to go. What about Chester? Okay, what is that? Uh, Kevin, okay, just hold on. Oh, oh my gosh, what is it? Uh, Kevin. What is it now? Look, I've been saving these up for a long time, okay? Hey, Daryl, you still want to trade cigarettes? Yeah, that's cool. Look, I gotta trade these with Daryl, okay? What? Me and Kyle got this, like, cigarette business, and I can't just leave him now. Kevin, I don't think you understand this. Your door's gonna close again. I need to get you... Kevin, come out. We need to go right now. Please. Just leave everything? Kevin, you need to come with me right now. We need to go. But what, what, what could be better than all this? Kevin, you don't understand. They'll find the way I got in. I won't be able to come back for you. Yeah, I just need more time, okay? Kevin, like, th this is my this home. Is, Kevin, get out of this cell. I know. I can't, I can't just this leave This is your right only chance. I, I just need to think about this. What is this? Is my home? Oh, Kevin. Kevin, I... Kevin, I... Secure. Suspect is at large. At large, I repeat. Suspect is at large. No, wait, wait. Cell 10 secure. Next, get route. Suspect is at large. At large, I repeat. Wait, wait. Wait, please. Don't leave me here, please. I can let it go. I, I can let it go, please. Wait, please! I promise I can let it go, please! Please don't leave me here! Please don't leave me here, please! I can let it go, I promise! I'm sorry! I'm sorry! Real repentance comes when we recognize that there's nothing else that we need in life besides God. Right? When we can actually leave it all behind. When we come to that place, we realize that everything Jesus offers is greater than anything I could ever get on my own. I believe the proudest God is of us, is in those moments where we can humble ourselves and admit all we need is Him. That's why he meets us there. Right? Jesus shows that even when you have never sinned, it's still a promise of God. That when we humble ourselves and obey him and say, God, I still need you, he will come and empower our lives. Whatever you're holding on to, whatever sin is in your life, having God in it is millions and billions times better. Right? Don't be the guy in prison not wanting to leave what's comfortable. Not wanting to leave what he's gotten used to. For the things that are better outside of it. Right? We watch that and it's so easy to be like, man, come on, dude. Hot dog Wednesday. Like, hot dogs are cheap. You know? 
Put those cigarettes in your pocket. I'm sure you could sell them out there and get a hot dog. But we do the same thing in our lives with so many things. Right? How many times do we do that? We say, God, like, we want you. We come to you. I want what you have for me. But can I also just bring my stuff along? Right? It's not always bad things. Right? It's easy for us to, to give up the stuff the world also said is, is bad. Right? It's really easy to say, you know, here's the garbage of my life. You know, I didn't want it either. But can you turn away from those things that you're used to? that you're used to giving you security and comfort that are not God? Can you turn away from trusting in your savings more than God or the security of your job when it takes you away from doing what God wants you to do? Can you turn away from those things that you turn to first on a bad day when it's not God? Can you let go of friends or places that you love to go when there are things that lead you away from God? Can you let go of what's comfortable when God is calling you to something uncomfortable? That's what repentance is. It's truly letting go of those things. The honest truth is that you're probably going to constantly need to repent. It's not a one and done thing. Because if at least not even daily, even more than that possibly, you will always be trying to bring your stuff back into what God has for you. I think it's why it's, Jesus prayed it in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us of our sins and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, right? That was a, part, a prayer that was prayed daily because it was give us our daily bread, right? It was daily Jesus was reminding us that we're going to ask for forgiveness, that we're going to need help getting away from temptation, Right? Daily you will need to choose to live in the new creation life that he's called you to. And stop living in the old creation, prisoner life. Right? I think that video always hits home because we all do that stuff. We get so comfortable in our ways, we get comfortable in our sin and in our imperfection that we can't even see the freedom that exists outside. The good news is that God's promise always stands. Unlike the video, God is always standing, holding open the prison cell door, saying you can walk out whenever you want to, which makes it even more ridiculous that most of us, many of us, choose to stay inside the cell. We don't choose to walk in the freedom he has for us. But he is calling you, he's promised to meet you there. to set you free, to bring you into a new creation life and life abundantly. That is Jesus' promise to you. Hebrews 10, 19-22 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. That's a promise referencing the Ark of the Covenant that we talked about all at the beginning. The most holy place is where it was kept, and that's where God's presence dwelled. And now, because of Jesus, we have a life-giving way into that same presence of God. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences 
have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. In a moment, we're going to play a song, and I want you to spend a little bit of time reflecting on where you're at when you walk with Christ. Have you been living outside the prison cell, or have you been choosing to stay inside? Right? Are, you, are you repenting? Are you somebody who's here that's going, man, I wish I could connect with God, but you're missing out on that promise of, of repenting where you've been wrong, where you've gone wrong? And coming and saying, God, take me and lead me in the right path. And maybe you have been doing that. You've been doing pretty well, but you've never been baptized. Next week we have baptism. There's still time to sign up. If you've never been baptized, take that step. Yeah, QR code, church center app, it's, it's all those places, but. Also, guys, I want to let you know, um, I mean, Noah spoke a couple months ago about making sure that as parents we are connecting with our kids about what they're learning. And they've been um, being taught about baptism the last few weeks. And I know many of the kids have chosen Jesus, and they want to be baptized. And I think that's awesome. But you as your parent, you need to talk with them about that. Make sure that they're making that choice, you know, within their own power and they really understand what it means. Um, but then please sign them up through the app and stuff as well, so that we can be prepared for them next week. But maybe you're here today and you just realize you've never repented. You didn't know that there was a life outside of the prison that you've been living in. You didn't realize that Jesus had given up his life and took your penalty so that you could live a life that really he deserved. And you're like, today, I want to make that decision I want to be someone who follows Christ. Well, like I said, it starts with you making that decision in your heart. Romans says that, that if you believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, that you are saved. And that's all there is, is that the first step is just believing. And then you need to tell someone today, you know? And so as we play the song and Sit there and think about that. And maybe you're going to say, I want to make that decision for Christ today. Then make that. Say, Jesus, I believe in you today. And then tell someone. Somebody you can tell is you can fill out that QR code or that card. Or on the QR code, you can connect with us and put, you made a decision for Christ. And we do that because we want to follow up with you. We want to resource you. We want to be praying for you. And we want to help you get there. All right, maybe you're making that decision today and you're like, can I be baptized next week? Of course. Right? So, um, man, maybe just close your eyes and just begin, God, where do I need to make some changes in my life? And let him meet you there.
God, we just come before you. We're just so humble that you've done such a great and mighty thing for us. God, that your promise is that you want to meet us at our weakest spots, Lord. But if there isn't anything more humbling than the perfect God saying, I want to come meet you in your imperfection. And not just one time, but every time. God, I pray that you'll help us to, to see our need for you. To, to daily and hourly and however many times we need, realize that we need to turn to you. To come and repent of, of where we've gone wrong, where we've turned to things that aren't you, to find satisfaction in our lives. help us to live as the new creations you called us to. You help us to stop dwelling in our, in our sin, to stop dwelling in our prison cells that you've already set us free from. God, that you've opened the door. You've called us out. God, help us to see the value of what you've done and the life that you've called us to. Life and life abundant before us, Lord. God, and help us to run to you as many times as we need to, to meet with you, to find you, to be changed, to be reminded of what you've called us to, Lord. Because in those moments, you don't just meet us there, you speak to us from there. You remind us of who we are, that we are children of God, that that we have a a life that that has everything that we need, as 2 Peter says, that, that you've given us the life we need to live the life you've called us to. I pray that you would continually remind us of ways that we can turn to you, the things we need to turn away from, but in that we would quickly kick those things aside for you. So grateful for you and what you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Don't forget to sign up for baptism if it's something you're interested in. Um, If you made a decision to follow Christ today, let us know so that we can connect with you and pray with you and pray for you. Um, Otherwise, go, repent, and live a new life today. All right? See you next week.